0: And Welcome back, y'all. I hope y'all have a fantastic week. Um, I hope this upcoming week is going to be fantastic for y'all. And y'all, when I tell y'all we've been grinding, we have a very (laughs) special guest on the show today. Uh, We are going to introduce her later on, but let's just get started with this intro. Sister, would you like to kick us off?
1: Of course I would. Once again, welcome, welcome, welcome back. I am your co-host, Dr. E.
0: And I am Donald Coleman, and this is Unapologetic Conversations with the Coleman. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So today we have a very lovely guest who took time out of her schedule to join us on our podcast today. I'm going to let her introduce herself, this Black queen. Here we go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, 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 everyone. I am Siobhan Sismiwa, the licensed social worker that currently works inside the prison system, so. That's me. I guess you'll learn more as we go along.
0: Yes, lovely, short, concise, to the point. Love it. We're here for it. Um, so today, if y'all been following us, if you've been a real OG, and we know if you've been a real OG, <laughs> you know we love to start off with our coffee segment. So I will take it off today. Um, I actually went kind of rogue. I usually always get a, a hot coffee, but today I got an iced coffee. Um, it's a vanilla latte, but it has caramel in it, and I added whipped cream. That's why it's kind of melted, if you can see. And I got cane sugar with it because okay. you know you always need that caffeine. um <laughs> And I go to <laughs> Sweetwater Cafe. It's like right by my house because y'all know um I love Starbucks, but if we can support small businesses, I think that would be better. But you know, no shade to my sister, you know, because. Jesus it sounds a little up. shady, but
1: I'm
2: going to let it, you have it's it. It's not. It, I said that with <laughs> all the love I can. But if okay. you
0: can, support small
2: business. While well, he sits on his ice chocolate. While it, he sits it, on exactly.
0: his ice
1: coffee. <laughs> oh, <you> got it. <laughs> well, mine's today. Mine's last week and the week before, of course. I went to, if my camera lets me be great. There we go. Of course, I went to Starbucks. And um, that's why he's throwing shade at me, Cervantes, because I am a major fan of Starbucks. I go at it, if not every day, at least every other day. Okay. <laughs> so okay. but I okay. have the wonderful Starbucks app. So every morning when I do go or every other morning, I get me a venti dark roast, two pumps of peppermint, or raw <laughs> sugar. Okay. And I just down pack. down pack, okay. <laughs> And I use my app. And the initiative of using the Starbucks app is it allows for you to accumulate points.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, based upon your points, you are able to get rewards. Ooh. So, not every time that I go, am I actually paying full price for my coffee? Sometimes I'm able to get things for free or I get to it at a lesser value. So, if you guys okay. are looking, to explore Starbucks a little bit more, um, try out the Starbucks app. But yes, of course, today, minty Dark Rose, two pumps of peppermint.
0: <laughs> you know, like I've been telling her, I really think you should trademark that recipe because, listen, if y'all have been listening, y'all know she likes to put peppermint in her coffee because you know, coffee gives you coffee breath, and the point of the peppermint <laughs> is to counteract that. So I really think you should trademark that. I think you need to talk to whoever you need to talk to at Starbucks and trademark that and make that into a drink because I swear, I would have never thought about that. I'm just like, hey, if you have gum, you better chew some gum after that (laughs) or you better not be talking to nobody.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Like when I was in school or like during residencies, I would take a lot of meetings at Starbucks. And so not all the time, do you wanna be smacking on a piece of gum or do you have a It in my fallout midway while you're speaking? How embarrassing and unprofessional is that? So I decided to like go ahead and put what I would usually use to refresh my breath in my coffee and it actually start tasting good. So even though now because of the pandemic, you're not really doing like in-person meetings, I still do it because it's just, you know, something that I've grown accustomed to. And it actually gives me like a jolt to my coffee. It makes it taste a little bit better. So, if you guys are l- listening from Starbucks, shout out unapologetic conversations in your sponsorship meetings. We would love to be sponsored by you guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, we just always have to throw some shameless yes. you know, plugs because if you don't, have, if you have your platform and you don't even plug yourself, then what are you doing? Like, Thanks. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to move on to what tools and techniques did you use this week to better yourself? Um, that was my dear sister segment, so I'm going to let her take it away.
1: So I have been reading the lovely Michelle Obama, the lovely Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. And in honor of Women's History Month, I wanted to share a quote with you all today from her book. So what I'm going to share today is that failure is a feeling long before it becomes an actual result. It's vulnerability that breeds with self-doubt and then it's escalated often deliberately by fear. So I share this quote today because you are who you see and envision yourself in being, right? So if you see yourself as this ultimate businesswoman, if you see yourself as this scholar, whatever that may be, whether it's bachelor's, master's, PhD, MD, PsyD, whatever it is that you envision your future to be, you go out there and you're active in your dream like you've already become it. Because the first step to becoming actually what your dream is, is aligning your mindset to that outcome. The only time that we are allowing fear in is something of other's anxieties that they place onto you. So never let society scare you away from your potential because your potential is based upon your mindset. So for everybody that's tuning in and is listening, if you are trying to go out there and achieve and you have people that's in your corner, and I say corner lightly, and they're always pouring toxicity on your mindset, those are people that don't see the vision for you. And those are people that's going to be antecedents to you being a self-doubter. So you have to move those people out of your corner so you're able to evolve into the person that you have mentally of who you want to be. So that's what I want to share today.
0: So y'all, uh, she always giving me goosebumps. Like I know I should be used to this by now, like, you know, she's been dropping them <laughs> every week since we've been doing this, but I still get goosebumps and chills. And for those of y'all, this may be your first episode She is a wellness coach. So if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it, you you can book a wellness consultation with her on her website. Yes,
1: definitely. Make sure you guys hit me up at DrEbonyColeman.com for not only just wellness consulting, coaching, but also for any of you scholars out there that's looking for somebody that's in the field of psychology to help you mentor and guide you during this journey of scholar or academicship. Make sure you hit me up on DrEbonyKoman.com.
0: Yes, yes. We always love a good website plug. That Honestly, we have about four or five, so y'all just, you know, we <laughs> try and make it like something sweet, but yes. <laughs> moving on, we're going to do Stone of the Week, you know, unbiasedly my favorite segment <laughs> of the show. The um, shade again. <laughs> <here. laughs> <laughs> it's not the shade. Yo,
2: I'm just here on the fly on the wall. That's all. <laughs> I'm loving the energy.
0: <laughs> so um, this week we have brown jasper. If my ring light will let me be great. Um, you can see it. If you're watching this on YouTube, we can see it. Um, It's a light brown. It's like tannish color. Um, So it's called Brown Jasper. Um, Some people call it Zebra Jasper or Marble Jasper. Um, It has many different names. Um, One of the main properties of this stone, um, it's very good if you are a person who um, experiences intense stress, anxiety, uh, really kind of any intense emotion um, that you perceive as negative. It's very good to help alleviate that. Um, So it would be very good if you um, have a home office you work in, or um, maybe in-person office that you go to, now that you know things are slowly opening back up, that would be a good place to have um, one of these. Also, um, it is very good. Um, it's a protective stone as well, because all jaspers, um, no matter what the color or what uh, kind of family it is, it is in, sorry. Um, they're all protective stones to have. Um, and yeah, they're very stimulated stones, um, very good for the base chakra. So if your base chakra is closed off or it's uh, one of your weaker plants, that is a very good stone to have to stimulate that as well. So that is brown jasper. <laughs> I know. I
1: love it. I love
0: it. Yes, yes. I think stone of the week. I think a lot of people like stone of the week because it's something so interesting. Um, it is like people who have been listening, you know, I've been getting feedback in person. It's like, wow, like I never even knew like this or, like, you know, spirituality existed. So I encourage all of you, um, if you live by a metaphysical store, go by, um, you know, I'll probably post a list of any beginner stones. If you are interested in it, um, I can post a list about that. And yeah, I just encourage everyone to kind of explore, you know, that aspect of spirituality. I love
1: it. I love it because I've never really gotten into stones until I resided in California. But talking to you about it is allowing me to explore even more. And I do believe that when you are on your spiritual journey, whatever that looks like for people, however you align your spirituality, I think it's important to make sure that you find something that works for you. So, you sharing each week different stones is giving people a different mindset on how they can align themselves to spirituality on their journey. Because everybody is changing right now. They're finding different avenues to be successful since this pandemic. So I just thank you um, for each week sharing that with us because I think it's gonna hit home differently for everybody.
0: Of course, and I always encourage people, um, even if you wanna go back to an old episode, maybe just to listen to that particular segment go on. Um, and I also post, uh, i have been trying to be a little bit better about it, but I do try and post each week um, the stones that I covered this week because there's a lot of different properties and aspects of these stones I can't cover um, in the amount of time of the <laughs> segment. So um, if you go on our IG, um, you can see that I post uh, all the critical things that you should know before you purchase a stone. So yeah. And so now that we're done with that, we're going to move on with Enlightenment of the Week with Ebony. So I'm going to let her take over.
1: So this week I wanted to align Enlightenment of the Week to our topic. So our show topic today is going to be decreasing incarceration rates in the Black community. So I went ahead and went on to the Bureau of Justice Statistics website. And according to their website, 2,203 Black men per 100,000 were held in state or federal prisons in the U.S. during 2019. After being sentenced, that roughly one out of every three Black men, when they went back and looked at the statistics, over a lifetime would be incarcerated. So I wanted to share that today and align it to our topic because as stated right in the beginning of our podcast, today we have Cervantes Mayweather on. She is a licensed social worker. Cervantes and I were able to meet on her pod, not her podcast, I call it a podcast because baby girl Mm -hmm. be on there speaking, teaching and preaching
2: on Clubhouse,
1: (laughs) okay? So, and I I love her because not only is she talking from an area of education, but she speaks from an area of passion, experience, and just connection to what it is that she sees in the community and how she wants to better it. So my, my segment today is really going to be in honor of enlightening the black community on what it is to educate yourself and give back to places that you have been. So without further ado, um, I would like to open up the floor for Mrs. Mayweather to be able to, yes, share with us what she's doing now, but let's talk about the grassroots. What was the reason why you wanted to go into social work? What have you seen in the Black community which has been antecedents as to why you want to do work in our community. So Ms. Mayweather, Mrs. Mayweather, we're ready for you.
2: Hi, how are you? Okay, so the right. first question you asked me is what what made me go into social work, right? Yes. And so I would say, you know, growing up, I grew up in a relatively good home, right? My mom worked for, in a hospital. My dad was is a retired police officer. And um, so I, I say I started off with that to say that I didn't come from a broken home. I didn't come from a disenfranchised area, but I still chose to commit crimes, right? And I think a lot of people feel like people commit crimes because, oh, you know, you come from a poor neighborhood. They went out there and wanted to eat. No, I committed a crime because I wanted fast money. I committed a crime because that's what I wanted to do. Let's be very, very clear with that. Um, As a result of that, I ended up incarcerated. Um, I did my time. Um, But, you know, coming home and having a felony, it's like, okay, well, what do you do? What can you do? Right. And so I says, I'm going to make my felony work for me. And as crazy as that may sound, but that's kind of where I went with that. And so I obtained my bachelor's. um, And again, you know, they say keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result of insanity. I ended up getting myself in trouble again. (laughs) Right. And I went back and ended up incarcerated again. And, you know, this last stretch, my mom passed away when I was locked up. And so I was like, you know what? Enough is enough. Like, I got to do better. You knew better, you do better. And I always knew better. So, you know, why not do better? And then I came home. Of course, I had got my certificate of lethal conduct, which gave me back my civil liberties. And um, I was able to get my master's in social work and my master's in public administration. Um, I had to go through the whole rigmarole to be able to get my license. I had to get these, these, these different letters of, you know, from this person, from that person, things of that nature. Well, so I was able to get my license and I've been working very good ever since. After that, I, you know, I ended up getting a job working inside the prison system. So I'm able to go back into the prison system and actually work in the prison system. But on top of that, more importantly, um, I ascertained a grant for a 20-bed transitional facility that's slated to open up in May. And this transitional transitional facility will offer housing therapy and, job assistance so I am ecstatic 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 and so the ribbon cutting will be May 1st so I'm happy about that so yes. that's some of the backstory you. thank
0: you And see I'll it's just it for you. like just hearing your story like it's so motivating for me even though like you know I'm not a juvenile I you know y'all I'll I be committing crimes but just to hear that <laughs> you, know, you didn't come from this franchise home you know you can still end up on that path, but mm-hmm. you didn't let that define you. You let that lead you on the path that you're on now. And right. I think that's so powerful, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people, you know, get incarcerated and they come out and they think that, you know, my life is over.
2: Mm-hmm. Or
0: they have that, you know, I can't do anything else. But, you know, what it may have gotten me locked up mentality. Right. So to right. see that you turned that around you know you went back to school you got your bachelor's a master's you know and as i understand <laughs> and as okay. i understand that you're going to get your site you know it's just it's yes. really you are living proof that the system doesn't define you you define
2: sure. it. absolutely i start my psyche program in
0: september so yes so i think you know from just me from me i I can only speak for myself, you know. I'm just so grateful to have people like you in our community because you. you actually understand what it's like being on that side of the jail cell. And now being out, you know, you have that mentality, like, okay, I know what it's like being inside, now I'm outside. Let me put mm-hmm. in the work to do right by my community. So I think that's okay. just helpful.
2: thank you.
1: I-, I love that too. And one of the pivotal things that I noticed when you were just sharing your story is that you talked about when you got out, you start educating your pitfalls, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because a lot of people, like you stated, Donald, they get out and they're like, I can't. I have a felony. What can I do? I can't vote, I can't do this. I can. And Cervantes, what you just stated is that when you educate yourself about the things that you say in your life that you can't, you start mm-hmm. realizing via education that you can. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to that topic because we are talking about decreasing incarceration rates in the Black community. And Mm -hmm. being that I am an educator and I come from roots of education, I am always the person that's an advocate for education is powerful. Education is the keys to next level. So in your, your thoughts or your feedback or maybe things that you are seeing, how important and decreasing incarceration rates, especially in the black community? Do you believe that education can come in to counteract that?
2: Or I, think education, yeah, I, or think, I was gonna say, yeah, maybe don't you don't college. see it
1: that way, you know, so just I really wanna get
2: your perspective. It's a double-edged sword, right? And it's a double-edged sword because not college is not for everyone, right? So whether you have a criminal background or whether you don't, not everyone succeeds in the college dynamic, right? Some people succeed as it relates to traits, and that's okay. Some people succeed as it relates to just being a day laborer, and that's okay as well, right? My mother always said, if you, if whatever you're going to do, be the best at whatever it is you're going to do, but stay in your lane, right? And what I mean by stay in your lane is, whatever you, they say the master of, master, jack of all trades and master of none is a problem, right? It's okay to be a jack of all trades, but you have to be a master of something. And I think that once that dynamic is reached, then individuals will be lot more successful. Now, as it relates to education, I think that it starts back from the junior high school, elementary days when they do the the school to prison pipeline, right? And so it has to go back. If you're going to talk about the education system, you can't necessarily talk about it as an adult, right? Because sometimes it's just way too late for that. Because when they're in junior high school and elementary school, they get suspended so much. They get kicked out of school so much. They fall behind so much. And so it perpetuates a cycle continuously over and over and over again. And so now what you have is high school, junior high school dropouts that end up going out and committing crimes. Or they realize that now you need just this basic high school diploma or GD to even get a job at McDonald's but you have to flip a, flip a burger, right? And they don't have that. So, what do they resort to? The streets, unfortunately. So, I think education is, is important. However, I don't think having a degree right. is as relevant as people may perceive it to be to be successful.
0: Yeah, no, definitely um, building off that because I was going to mention that the school to prison (laughs) pipeline, like as soon as you said Mm it, I was like, she done got me started.
1: But Donald, (laughs) before you even ask this question, what I want you to know and everybody that's listening or viewing on YouTube is that Cervantes did an actual topic on Clubhouse Mm -hmm. about, of course, prison reform, but she talked about the pipeline, right? And it was so powerful, that not only did we have people that just maybe had family members that was in prison, it was police officers on there, it was people that had like myself psychology degrees. It was a, a mosh pot of so many different people that was giving their perspective and giving their feedback. So even opening up this conversation to, to breathe life into it and to create conversation around it, this is what she did on Clubhouse. And this allowed for so many people to hear their perspectives Yes, but it allows for people to feel validated wherever they are on their journey or mm-hmm. feel validated for their family members. So I just wanted to add that in there because I think it's important to develop rapport around these type of conversations because when we think that our perspective is the only perspective, then we navigate this world thinking that we are the the, the, the naysayers all all. of everything, right? The mm-hmm. know-it-all of everything. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that out there.
2: Thank
0: you. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, And I will link uh, Cervantes' Clubhouse account in the description below. Uh, Make sure y'all check her out. I will be checking her out because, you know. I actually have
2: a club called Brick by Brick on Clubhouse, so it's called Brick by Brick.
0: Okay, well, see, Mm -hmm. she plugged herself. So, you know, (laughs) I will have to to check you out. I've been trying to do better about being on Clubhouse. Um, But uh, going back to what I was saying earlier about the school-to-prison pipeline, um, building off what you were saying earlier, um, I think it's like, that's where it starts at. It starts at really from sixth to 12th grade. I think those are the years where those are the formative years. So that those years truly make or break you. Sadly, and people, you know, I'm going to try and specify this. Really, it's prison. The school to prison pipeline affects black and brown children. Um, Correct. You know, more specifically, black men, black boys, Correct. around those age gaps between you know the sixth grade and twelfth grade. And I think actually even you
2: know, before sixth grade, though. Is more like from the fourth grade.
0: They fourth it- grade, um, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you know, um, I think those years, like you said, it starts at home. It starts in the school systems. You know, having like we were talking about on a previous episode. Um, you know, having those structures in place for those students to get the resources and support that they need. Because mm-hmm. if they're struggling at home, then they're going to struggle in school. And they're struggling in school, they feel like, well, why do I need school? Let me turn to the streets. And that's oftentimes what happens because these school systems only cater to a certain demographic. And we know mm-hmm. what that demographic is. And nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, we don't fit that demographic. So if they're feeling like, well, my life at home sucks, school ain't any better, what's out there for me but the streets? For mm-hmm. me to steal, rob, steal, and kill.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think, you know, Having these school resources, having a, a school resource officer, having you know um, trained and licensed social workers, you know, having these resources in these schools, I think will do will go a long way into the dec- decreasing our incarceration rate.
2: Let's see, Mister Coleman, I would di- I would beg to, to disagree with you as far as the school resource officer, because the school resource officer is a police officer, right? And so what you're doing is you're kind of perpetuating a cycle. Why should, a, why should a school resource officer, which is a police officer inadvertently be in the school system period, right? Mm-hmm. So now you have a police officer walking around with a gun and handcuffs that is now meant to deescalate. So they say anything that manifests itself, but do they really deescalate it or do they presence actually escalate the situation? And now if it gets too bad, now they're ready to put handcuffs on these children and lock them up, which perpetuates the cycle for the school to, school to prison pipeline. So I don't think a resource officer necessarily, but I will say that a school social worker a trained psychologists, trained teachers, right? Um, in learning crisis intervention, because while they don't, they can teach, they don't necessarily know how to deescalate a situation. And sometimes they actually escalate a situation. And so I think that that is, that is something that is more needed than a resource officer. But I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just kind of had to put that out there.
0: No, I definitely, you know, and it's it's definitely, okay, (laughs) I disagree. I think I said that because, you know, in my high school, our resource officer, um, we only had one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had background training in psychology and, you know, working in the educational system. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, we didn't really see him. He wasn't a counselor per se, but he was definitely that counselor kind of figure. I mean, yes, he had a badge (laughs) and a gun but um most times you know it really never had to escalate and that's just coming from my experience i'm not saying all schools are definitely like that they're definitely not but um just saying from my perspective you know our resource officer you know was an actual a a good resource it wasn't like he wasn't there just to intimidate with the badge and gun i think a lot of Like a lot of, you know, friends I know will go to him, you know, having troubles at home, you know, single mother, you know, parent just got incarcerated and stuff like that. So um, that's why I said I definitely understand why uh, one would disagree, because you're absolutely right. Like having those present, like having that presence in the school, it only escalates that prison school pipeline. I definitely Mm -hmm. understand that. uh, I would rephrase and say having train, trained <laughs> you know <laughs> professionals in these systems will definitely be a good resource for these black and brown kids to go to.
2: No, I get where you was coming from. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't want you to think that I didn't. I just kind of wanted to kind of put that out there because I'm going to give you a perfect example. In New York City, they have those, right? They have like about three or four of them, right? The minute you walk in the door, you have these officers that sit at the front door and they got to sign you in and all this great, wonderful stuff. But at the same time that a fight happens, those are the ones that's, that's, that's going to that fight, right? And what in- ends up happening? They separate them or one ends up in handcuffs or one ends up restrained or whatever the case may be. Now charges are pressed, right? Because they are they have peace officer status and or police officer status. And so now we, we kind of fit that mold. And then a suspension happens, an out-of-school suspension happens, lack of homework, don't do homework, fall behind in classes. So that's kind of like that whole cycle. And then perfect example in Pennsylvania, they have probation officers inside the high school. They have a, a, a room for specifically for the resource officer and the probation officer. So just imagine if you walk by and it's usually in the main hallway. So just imagine if you walk by and you're in high school and you look to your left and here's a probation officer and a, and a uh, resource officer, right? What does that perpetuate that cycle for? How does that make you feel going into school? Like it starts giving that dynamic that it's okay. Like prison is okay, right? So that's just kind of my take on that.
1: No, I agree with you 1000%. And I think it has everything to do with the area that the school is placed in. Mm -hmm. And what are the perceptions of the people that are living in those environments? And I say that, for instance, I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, right? So when you walk into those particular schools and you see an officer automatically your mindset goes to something that's negative. Because in your community, you may be seeing police officers that are not living up to this idealistic thought process of what a police officer is supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll just say idealistic because some of the things that we see portrayed in the, the media, before we had the movement of Black Lives Matter, before we had the movement of what's going on currently, you know, you had an officer and they had this idealistic thought process of how an officer is supposed to be. But when you're in urban environments, that's not all the time of what you see, especially in the black community. Mm -hmm. So it's really a, a perspective of a thought process when you see an officer versus my middle school years, we moved from Detroit, Michigan to Romulus, Michigan. So in Romulus, Michigan, for everybody that's in like the Michigan area, that's considered the suburbs. Mm-hmm. So you go from like all black schools to very diverse schools, especially when I was there. When we first moved out there, it was a majority Caucasian versus African-American and being more diverse on that side. So when they seen officers in our schools, despite what their badge may be, whether they were a coordinates officer or just a full-on officer in the community mm-hmm what they looked at was a friend. What they looked at is somebody that's protecting them because their mindset of an officer was the perception of their environment. Mm-hmm. So I, I love this conversation because it's really a determinant based upon where where you live and your social economic status in that area that's a, that allows for your thought process to equate to how you see authority. So bouncing it back and being, I guess like, The devil's advocate in this situation, when we're looking at officers in schools and we are looking at ways to decrease once again the incarceration rates, when you're saying that the mindset of of the prison pipeline, the school to prison pipeline, is seeing these officers and being okay with seeing them and having authority be uh, programmed in this manner, do you think that despite the environment of where these kids are, whether it's an urban environment or more of a, an environment that may the officer may be there because there's crime, crime is high in that area, mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. another area where crime is low, do you think based upon the school to prison pipeline and the thought process of authority has everything to do with environment, or do you think Absolutely. That- despite the environment, the mindset has to be changed in order for us to decrease incarceration rates in the black community.
2: No, absolutely. I think the environment plays a major, major role either way, okay. you know? Um, I don't think that it's, it's, it has nothing. I don't think, well, I, well, let me, statistics show, let me not even say what I think. Yeah. Statistics show, right, that in most urban areas, the school to prison pipeline is very, very present, prevalent, right? That the dropout rate is higher. That the individuals going from maybe even high school to juvenile detention centers to actually prison is higher. Where juveniles are being charged as adults are higher. Where children being arrested at the age of 10 and 12 are higher, right? And so when you go back to like, so your your urban areas, I mean, your, your, well-to-do areas, right? You don't have these issues, right? Hence why something like, and it's unfortunate, you know, and God bless everyone that happened at Sandy Hook, right? right? Something like that probably wouldn't happen in an urban school area, right? I can almost guarantee you it probably wouldn't happen in an urban school area, right? And so, you know, but unfortunately, what ended up happening was the the adverse reaction to Sandy Hook made it even worse in some of the school systems where, You know, now when you walk in, they have all these bulletproof this and this, this, that and these metal detectors and this and that. And so while we already had that in our urban area, right, they they put that in their area, but not to the magnitude in which we have it in our area. Right. And so I think that people don't, don't seem to understand that, you know, we were always being looked at as if we had a Sandy Hook situation going on long before that situation manifested itself, right? And I only use that as an example, not as a way to compare and contrast. Well, I did use it as a way to compare and contrast, but not as a way to kind of mock or devalue what happened at Sandy Hook. So I want to be very clear with that. But we've always had metal detectors. We've always had the, the, the partitioners. We've always had the the teachers and the resource officers walking into school. We always had individuals armed. We've always had that in the community, in our urban community high schools. They just now starting to understand that. And even still, right? They say the more money you have, you can get to what you want, right? So even in that aspect, their schools probably still have not moved anywhere near, close to what we have there. I agree with you.
1: I agree
2: with you. It's a
1: normalized habit and Absolutely. I, I ask that question because i see it uh, like i'm gonna mm-hmm. go back to detroit well anytime i go home now to visit currently i reside in atlanta georgia but when i go home to detroit michigan in particular i am from the east side of detroit seven mile in buffalo hometown right if i go let's say to a subway there's a bulletproof partition yes. between me and the person that's making my sub Now for me being a and it's not
2: because of COVID either, right? This is something that was
1: pre-COVID, exactly (laughs) right. Mm Pre-COVID and me being an educated Black woman that is now to a lot of people's perspective living in Black Mecca, right? Because I live in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a lot of black people out here that's doing very well financially for themselves. Mm -hmm. When I go back home and I see this, it makes me sad. It's like literally, uh, it makes me not want to shop there. It makes me not want to get my food there. It makes me want to just go there, see my family and leave as fast as I can. Because to me, and I have said this to people, I feel suffocated in that environment. hmm For me, I can't allow for my thought process to see bigger and want better and to to see that I can be a business owner and I can drive a Ferrari and I can have all these amazing things because, and not because I'm a drug dealer or not because I'm doing something illegal. I can do that because I've educated myself and I've structured myself to be able to do that. So I ask these questions because for me, I understand that it's suffocating of the mind. But for somebody that is, let's say a 10 year old and they're walking down the street with they love $5 to get their $5 foot long from Subway and they walk in and they their see normality.
2: This,
1: it's it's their norm.
2: Yes. It's their And then when norm. you take them out of that environment and put them somewhere that we see to be a, a great environment, they don't see it that way. No. That's right. why a lot of foster kids, that are forced, like when you take, A foster child and you take them out of that dysfunctional home and you put them in a home that they that's supposed to be better, they don't do very well because that's not their norm. They didn't grow up like that. So to them, that is very foreign. To them, this is abnormal. I want to go back to my normalcy because this right here is not it. And unfortunately, that's what you mean. Oh, continue.
0: I'm
2: (laughs) sorry. No, that's it. I was done.
0: I was just going to say because they you know, like you said, they perceive that, you know, that environment change, like that's not their normal because they've normalized the violence. They've normalized Mm -hmm. the drug abuse. They've normalized, you know, uh, the emotional, physical, uh, spiritual trauma they may have endured in this home. So when when they get put into, you know, two-parent households, you know, better environment, better schooling system, you know, they're acting out because in their mind this is not their normal. So how can you function in this new normal? Correct.
1: Yeah but during the formative ages going back to in the beginning Cervantes you talked about between what's fourth grade all the way up into high school that's when you are seeing the
2: the school to prison pipeline.
1: And but unfortunately,
2: awesome. by the time they get to high school, they already have been juvenile delinquents. Yep. They already on some sort of probation. They've mm-hmm. already probably been arrested. I mean, and I hate to say it that way, but when you're talking about the school to prison pipeline, that's exactly what, you know, what manifests itself. But let me be clear, not everyone that has a juvenile history ends up being adult, adult criminals, right? But the likelihood and statistics show that it is much, much higher. And so if you think about it and me working inside the jail majority of the people that's locked up talking about young men and women used to also got locked up as juveniles would also tell you that I don't have a high school diploma or GED would also tell you I'm a high school dropout right and so a lot of them ascertain their GED and high school diploma inside the jail. So, you know, that's the unfortunate part but it's real.
1: No, it's really, and I love that you bring that up because it's like changing of their mindset in those environments. So looking at it from a psychological lens, right? Between adolescents all the way up to the ages of 25 years of age, that's when the prefrontal cortex is being Mm -hmm. developed, right? Mm -hmm. And for everyone that's listening or viewing this, the prefrontal cortex is based upon your behavioral patterns. This is how you operate and maneuver in the world. So when you're adapting during these ages to something that is toxic, although we as professionals sitting here talking about it can understand the toxicity of walking into a subway, seeing a partition, Mm -hmm. bulletproof, and normalizing that as something that that's okay to have in my environment because this is what it is, Mm -hmm. as you graduate throughout your years, you have adapted in an environment that allows for you to see things from a lens of normalizing toxicity mm-hmm. so even when you're walking into schools and you see a police officer or you're walking through metal detectors that's your norm so if you get into a situation where you have the fight or flight and you have to either fight your way out of it or just leave it away alone and walk away from it your thought process might be in that environment to fight it out and if i have something that i gotta do time for that's what i gotta do my uncle did it my cousins did it that's just what it is
2: I can do this bed on my head standing up. That's their, language, that's their logo. That's their, language, that's their yeah.
1: logo. Mm-hmm. And I love that because that's a thought process mm-hmm. that was embedded in them long before they mm-hmm. became the adult that they are today. So it's not just looking at the person in a RYDC, a regional youth detention center, and judging them for the, the bad decision that they made during that time. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to the education component because to me... You have our children, and I'm sure a lot of times our Black children, at a very um, flexible thought process time in their lives. So mm-hmm. so seeing that and understanding that, I want to first give hats to you to even do that work because I know it's difficult. It is hard to be in that position where you're dealing with youth. And for so long, a lot of them have been raised and reared. In I deal with
2: adults. I'm in an adult prison.
1: Oh, you're in with adults. All right. Let me speak from my perspective and then mm-hmm. we'll get to you. Yeah. When I worked in the RYDC, it was very mm-hmm. difficult for me to rear and for me to understand why it was so, cause I was at that time an intern, why it's so hard. Why can't I get through to them? But doing more research, that's when I learned about the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. And that's when I'm like, okay, Ebony this is way before I was Dr. Coleman, if you want to get through to our youth, you have to talk about their upbringing. What was things that you seen in the household? What did you normalize in the household that you realized when you got a little bit older that this Mm -hmm. wasn't normal? Mm -hmm. And so when I did groups with them, those was the things that we extrapolated and we pulled back and we talked about. And that's when they were able to align or correlate to what I was saying and then implementing it in their mm-hmm. lives. And for, for me, I felt like I was doing my due diligence because I was able to give them the, the, the talk that they needed. So when they went back in those environments, not only are you sitting there and like, oh, let me look through my notebook and, and see what I said in group. And so I'm giving it to you as a scenario Mm -hmm. so that you feel empowered in situations that used to take you back to a lifestyle that's not going to be of productivity for you, Mm -hmm. you're able to immediately take what I said and implement it in that situation so you can make a better decision. Mm -hmm. Now, flipping it back to you, considering that now you work with the dogs, the prefrontal cortex is already there. It's solid, it's formed. It is. So from your perspective- So we like
2: to believe. (laughs) Hey, <laughs> okay. Hey, we will
1: hope. Neurologically, that's what right. they say, right? Right. <laughs> so how is it for you when you're working in these environments as a licensed social worker? How do you feel like you're able to give back? And how do you feel like you're able to relate what you know as a mental health pr- practitioner in a situation that's going to be able to assist?
2: So first and foremost, they do not know I'm in- I've been ca- incarcerated before. I do not do self disclosure. So I want to put that out there. So that is not how I relate with them. That is not a conversation that we even have. So I just want to put that out there because you don't have to know that in order for me to be able to assist you and help you. Right. Um, So, you know, they'll be like, Oh, you don't know what it feels like inside And and I'm like, Oh, so you're trying to tell me, I don't know what it feels like to be desperate. You don't know what I'm telling me. I don't know what it feels like to have to want to be home with my family. I don't know what it feels like to feel caged in. You know, I'll relate the feelings back to what they're feeling, right? Because reality, you can feel caged in and still be free. Gotcha. Right? You don't necessarily have to be in prison to be caged in, right? Because you can be caged in in your mind. But I say that to say, to work with them, I just give it to them more. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, you know what? And When you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you stop bidding. Until then, (laughs) I guess I'll see you next week, right? You gonna hold them all? You'll be back, right? And then they were like, "Miss them really? Is that what you want to talk? Yeah, that's what I'm going to tell you. What you want me to do? lie? To you. I'm not going to sit up here and textbook you, and I don't want you to group talk me. You know, like, oh, you know, I, I tell them that all the time. Don't group talk me. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, don't tell me. Well, if I stay away from people, places, and things, that is not how you talk out in the street. So don't sit here and talk to me about people, places, and things. Don't do that. Because the reality of it is, is you already know this. You don't have to tell me what you regurgitate to me, what you heard in some group, because you think that that'll make you sound better, or that'll make make me feel like you 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 you've done the work, right? That that, that doesn't help me, right? That doesn't even help you, so because you don't even believe it, right? And so I think when dealing with the adult jail population, it's a totally different dynamic. They can smell. I don't know if we can curse. They can smell doo-doo a long, they can smell that far away, right? Because they're in there. They got nothing but time and they sit back and they study you. Trust me, they do. And so for me, I'm like, not everything I talk to them about is from a textbook, right? So you can't textbook talk to them either. Well, you know, if you just use your, you know, your, your, your thought process before you align, no. Because they're going to look at you like- techniques, right? Let's, let's meditate. Huh? Right. Like, exactly. Like, my meditation is listening to survive music and cleaning my gun. That's my meditation. Right. Like, right. <laughs> so, not breathing, counting ten, relax your muscles. Like that's just not what they're gonna do. Right. And so, and I'm not saying all. Oh, let me be clear. I'm not putting that disclaimer out there. But at the same time, I just I'm just honest with them. The same way you see me on Clubhouse, I'm very very honest. I'm very straightforward. I'm, I tell them the things that nobody else wants to tell them. I'm going to give you a perfect example of how I use that, if you don't mind. Okay, I don't. So we was running a, a group and we would, it was a parenting group. And my response was, so how many of you guys have children? And they, you know, a couple of people raised their hand. Yeah. 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 So how many of your children think you're in college right now? How many of your children think you're on vacation? Cause that's, those are the words that they use to tell the children yeah. that they're in jail i was like so you're telling your child that you're in college you're on vacation and then when they come see you they thinking this is what college and vacation hmm. is like right hmm. i said so not only that you're also setting up the fact that it's okay for your child to be lied to because they know you're in jail trust me they heard mommy daddy grandma somebody <laughs> in the background say that you are in jail the problem is they didn't bring it to your attention because they don't want to hurt your feelings. They didn't bring it to your attention because they don't understand why you're on a long vacation and why I can't come with you. So maybe they'll do something to help them get along to where you're at. So maybe you need to start being honest with them. Well, I don't want to tell them I'm in jail, why not? You keep leaving them, right? This is a vacation for you, right? This is school for you, right? So why not tell them where you're at? Because then they're going to be ashamed of me, but you're not ashamed of yourself because you keep doing it, you keep coming, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you have those type of dynamic and those conversations with them, they understand it more. Yeah. They can they can internalize it more. Whereas when you're dealing with juveniles, you have to be like, so you know your upbringing. I understand you came from a, a just you know <laughs> dysfunctional home. Your mm-hmm. mom used drugs. Your dad you, you got to come with a whole different because they're gonna look at you like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right, is this what oh, I yeah. need to tell you so that I can get out of this group right now? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's kinda, Can you just write my discharge letter? Exactly. I can get
1: out of here so that's their mindset i love it no i love it and i i love what you're saying because that's so true like dealing with the youth versus dealing with the adults, it is varying but you have some of these youth they think they're adults already right yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> and they have been unfortunately in the school to prison pipeline their entire adolescence so they're, they know the things to say. They know how to manipulate the system. So by mm-hmm. the time they make it to the adulthood and they're actually in prison, we're not talking about RYDCs anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like they become perfect. And I hate to use this term, but it's so real. They're like professional, like art con artists at this time. Like they know how to con the system. They have educated themselves in a way that allows mm-hmm. for them to manipulate the system to their favor. Correct and that to me ed- like I said education is a key component and I'm not always talking about books and going to school and getting credentials like as we go on this life journey everybody is educated in different ways and everybody is going to be able to use their ed- education either to their detriment or either to their success but mm-hmm. as as you stated when you get to a certain point as an adult and you're in the prison system, and this has been your lifestyle your entire life, you feel comfortable there because your comfortability is associated with that type of living. That's your norm. Correct. That becomes not your lies and your mindset is no longer a lie. That's just how you are supposed to talk to your family because that is your thought process or lens of love. And In our our black community, I have noticed that that is something that not only just happens in the prison setting, but it happens within the home too. If you have somebody in the home, what happened to dad? Why did dad leave? Well, dad Mm -hmm. left because he had to go do this. It never is talked about to that person is older what actually happened in the family dynamic. Mm -hmm. So in the the black families, we sweep things up under the rug. We normalize maladaptive thought processes way before the prison has an opportunity to, unfortunately, attack our
2: family.
0: Absolutely. And also, just to add on that, too, um, what you said earlier, you know, the juveniles think they're adults like they think they're grown, Mm -hmm. is because (laughs) for a lot of them, you know, they had to take on that grown mentality at a young age. So I don't think necessarily, like, you know, some things, you know, that were kept from us, you know, they had a reason to, but also... You know, you don't want to tell them too much because now it's like, okay, I think like they, they internalize that as, okay, now I have to be grown because daddy's not around or I have to do this because, you know, mama's on drugs or, you know, she's, you know, an alcoholic. Now I have to take on that, that mentality, that adult mentality, and I'm only 11 years old, you know wow. what I'm saying? So I think, and that's also a, a reason why you saying saying um, they become professional con artists. And yeah. That was so funny. I was trying not to laugh, <laughs> but that, that terminology was funny. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they think they're growing the head. Like, okay, girl, what, what do I got to say? All right, Dr. E, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to pray. I'm going to speak to Jesus. Can I get out of here? Because they, right. think, like, they, they didn't get, get that. <laughs> you know, they didn't get that. Okay. Let's sit down and talk about it. They like talk. I got, I got siblings. I gotta feed. I ain't trying to talk. Like I don't need to work on what. I'm just trying to get out of here, go back to the streets, and keep doing what I'm trying to do. Because my cause mother that's needs that. me. Yeah. Right. Because you me. know my sister, that my siblings need me. Or I got, you know, I got a six month old brother at home. He needs diapers. He got to get milk.
2: That goes back to that emotional incest that I had. Oh my
1: gosh, I was about to bring that up. <laughs> he must was reading my mind. <laughs>
2: Mm, that goes yeah. back to the emotional incest, but that's a whole, topic.
1: That's a whole but, um, other topic. But it's so aligned yeah. to what we're talking about right mm-hmm. now in the Black community. Yeah. Um, for you guys who don't know and don't follow Cervantes on Clubhouse, she did a topic on emotional incest
0: Ah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and see it's it's talking about what we're talking about because when you're coming from homes where it's a single parent home Mm -hmm. the mother or sometimes even the father because we talked about that too whoever is rearing the child sometimes Mm -hmm. emotionally becomes attached to the child in a way that they would usually be emotionally attached to their spouse So the child starts feeling, and I will say burden, of the parent to feel as though no longer are they able to fit into the shoes of a child, they have to Mm -hmm. now also take on the burden of being, yes, I'm your your child, I'm your daughter, I'm your um, son, now I have to also act as an emotional partner to my parent as well. And Mm -hmm. that takes the child out of a lens of being a child and interacting in the world in that way. They now are taking on responsibilities that is of an adult.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So when they make it into authority settings, and we can even take it back to the school before we even get to prison, we wonder why these kids walk around middle school and high school feeling and acting as though they're grown. That's because in the household, they They are are-
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> they are in so many absolutely. different
1: ways absolutely. you got your mama saying that well your daddy told you you needed to be the the um the man wife of the house a daughter of the house or the son mm-hmm. of the son you know mm-hmm. so having all those terminologies that centered around what an adult should do when they go into schools where they should be children they don't even know how to do that mm-hmm. because their normative basis is acting as an
2: adult absolutely I mean, you know, you 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 you've been in my clubhouse rooms. I I I I get fever sometimes, but the reality of it is is (laughs) I don't, I don't, I'm very honest, I'm very raw, and I'm very uncut, right? But I also speak from a place of knowledge. I also speak from a place of passion, I speak from a place of experience, right? And I'm very honest. Like I always reserve the part that I play or how I relate to that topic to midstream right yeah. so and, and dr coleman will tell you that i'm very strategic in how i play certain things and so i don't want people to believe like okay well she already has an opinion a preconceived opinion and so i'm not going to say anything for fear that she may jump on my down my throat because my opinion differs from hers and so you know it's it's healthy conversations i tell you that yeah. very very controversial but healthy nonetheless, so. Very, very
1: controversial, yeah. but healthy, Cervantes. I, I don't want to take too much of your time. We are almost Not running it. into that hour area, That's but fine. I want to yeah. honor you. Thank and you. I say that because although your topics are controversial, they are things that need to be talked about in the Black community.
2: And it's funny because on Tuesday, I'm doing a topic on how police can deter preventable incarceration.
1: Hmm, well, I'll be on here. <laughs> y'all, y'all, where's my planner? I
0: gotta write that down. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, but before we let you go, if there yes, was ma'am. one thing, if you were standing in for in front of the directors that was in front of any in any state that made decisions <laughs> about the the school to prison pipeline and how to change it what would be your feedback to them on how we can decrease incarceration rates in the Black community?
2: Well, the first thing I would say is have individuals that are big on decreasing, in decreasing uh, crime, right? Because being Having police presence is not decreasing crime. I've seen people get killed right in front of the police officers because they just don't care that the police are standing there. So I think having that conversation, having that community outreach, having individual police officers that grew up in that area or an area similar to that area, and being the police officers in those areas kind of would help with that because they can relate more to the person versus taking a police officer from Brownsville, Brooklyn and putting him in Washington Heights, right? You can't really relate. But if you took a a police officer from Brownsville, Brooklyn, or even Bed-Stuy and put them back into the community, you know, the brothers and sisters out there can relate to them more. But the other part that I want to leave you guys with, every criminal, there's a difference between being a criminal and having a criminal mindset, right? So there's a difference between being a criminal and criminal activity. And I need people to understand that, right? And so a, a criminal... Is someone that just doesn't care about the consequences, who doesn't think about something, who constantly does it, whoever that is. Someone that has a criminal mind, someone that did a criminal act, could have done it to feed their family, could have done it to survive, could have done it to, you know, protect themselves. Does it make them a criminal? It made them have do a criminal act. And I think that when we learn that there is a major difference between the two, then we can start treating people differently. Because I, I remember, and this is the last thing I'm going to end off with. Remember, every felon is not a failure. Because I remember when I was sat in class, I was the only black person in my MSW program. Let me be very clear. And when we started talking about incarceration, I listened to all the prejudgments about yeah. people that's incarcerated, about felons, about this, about that. So then I ended up doing my paper on uh, prison versus incarceration, I mean, c- incarceration versus slavery. How, do they, are they, how are they the same and how do they differ? And we had to do a presentation on it. And at the end of the presentation, I said, and I am a felon who has been incarcerated, sitting in class with y'all. And their mouths dropped mm-hmm. because I allowed them to pretty much go the whole semester saying how felons and this and that and that the other, but I let them have their judgments. But I wanted to kind of like let them see for themselves that whole semester because I was the same person that they kept coming to. Hey, did you understand what the teacher was saying? Did you understand the professor? Listen, how do you do this? And now, mind you, I love to, I graduated with 4.0, so I graduated cum laude. So let's be very We're, clear with that, right? you okay. yeah. You better know. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, if you don't know, now you know. Now yeah, you know, right? And so I welcomed the fact that I wanted to change their mindset because that was the only way I was going to be able to change their mindset. So that's what I leave you with. And make
1: sure you leave us with your social media for everyone that's listening and would love to follow you and just really be on the Cervantes, Mrs. Mayweather vibe. (laughs) How could they follow you on social media platforms?
2: So the social media platform that I have is also my handheld, my handmade businesses, you know that, which is Mayweather Creations. And so you can follow me on Instagram at Mayweather Creations, as well as on Facebook at Mayweather Creations, and so and on Clubhouse, I am Chavantes Mayweather. That little at sign, right. Chavantes, <laughs> and as C H E R V A N T E S. Or well, you can follow my Clubhouse, which is brick by brick, which is bringing, which is tearing down socialization, in discrepancies, brick by brick, and building up positives, brick by brick. And so that's where I'm at.
0: Yes. 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 I love, love it. all of that. I think I just <laughs> want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I think um, just y'all, we might have to have her on for season two, because right. I, <laughs> I think she's dropped so many gems. I hope y'all have y'all next because I was over like, oh, let me catch this. Cause you know, <laughs> it's so it's so wonderful to have people like you. You know, you were incarcerated, you've been in the system and now you're out paying that forward, you know. Like you said, college isn't for everyone, but just knowing that, okay, I'm a felon, that doesn't define me. That's not who I am, that's not. That's a piece of your story. And for you to use that piece to now empower your community, I think is just absolutely amazing. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and just telling us, schooling us, preaching us, you know. (laughs) um, We always like for a little classroom session. Okay um and yeah that's it uh i just want to thank (laughs) y'all so much for listening if you are watching this on youtube make sure you like comment subscribe and share also make sure you hit that little bell icon because you will get a personal notification whenever we drop our episodes it's gonna be like y'all yo you go watch this episode they just dropped one (laughs) Um, (laughs) make sure to uh Subscribe to all of our social media. We are on Instagram. You can follow our IG. Uh, I'm going to let my sister plug herself in a minute uh, because y'all know she has a ton of different little things she's doing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, make sure if you're listening to on Spotify, make sure you download our episodes. And yeah.
1: Nice. And if you guys are on your wellness journey and you are looking for ways to get creative on this journey to maybe lose some LBs or maybe even to lose a mindset that is making you struggle in life, make sure that you check out drebonycoman.com for fitness wear, for eBooks, for academic online opportunities, and for some new things that are dropping soon. But we want to say thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, thank you so much to our special guest, Cervantes Mayweather, and we will see you guys again next Monday.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> See
0: you guys.